Welcome to the Stony Brook Crossroads Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Doyle DeGraw. For more information about this podcast, our community, and other resources, please visit CrossroadsChurchSB.com. You want to turn your Bibles, if you would, to uh, Philippians chapter 1. And uh, or look up at the screen. Um, I just wanted to thank the team of guys that came this morning to help out with getting tables set up and everything. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. And uh, and as VJ said, you're all invited to stay afterwards. Don't worry, there's plenty of food and uh, got good weather today. So. Um, Today begins a series that I want to start on the book of Philippians. And so I want to introduce some things about Philippians and talk about Philippians from this standpoint. Paul writes Philippians to a group of people that he had met several years before that we'll talk about. And he's writing from jail and uh, obviously probably has plenty of time on his hands as he's writing. And I'm sure during that time he has opportunity, a lot of opportunity to reflect, to do a lot of reminiscing about relationships that he's had. And so we have the opportunity to kind of get inside of his head and inside of his experience to find out what that was like for him. This last April, I was in California at a conference and uh, I had messaged with someone a couple of different times when I was in California. And so I reached out to him to see if he was around. And this person, his name is Ross. His last name is Domkey. It's not Donkey, but Domkey. And uh, so I messaged Ross and said, hey, I'm in the area and wondered if, if you're around. Maybe we could catch lunch or coffee together. And he said, yeah, that would be great. And the significance of that is that in 1975, which would be, what, 44 years ago? Uh, Ross and I became friends because I was interning in a church in Redding, California, and Ross was part of that church, part of the young adults group, uh, a fellow believer, and we became friends and continued to be friends, and Ross participated, was in our wedding. Uh, We watched his kids grow up. And the interesting thing was, I had not seen Ross for about 39 years. We had moved away and we'd gone our separate ways and stayed in touch with each other. And thankfully, you know, for things like Facebook and all those kinds of things, you can keep up with people these days a little more. But other than the fact that we both looked, well, he he looked older. (laughs) And both looked a little heavier. It was like it was yesterday. And there's something about relationships that are like that. Isn't that true? Where you're with someone that you have fond memories about, you haven't seen for a long time, especially if they're someone that's a fellow believer that you grew to know and, and appreciated. And those spiritual friendships are very unique because they're eternal in nature. They're eternal friendships. 
And I want to encourage us as we look at the book of Philippians that we need to place a very high value on these kinds of friendships. We, we need to nurture them. We need to be careful we don't neglect them because they're the only friendships that are going to stand the test of time. They're only, the only ones that are going to last for eternity. They're the only ones that we know are going to be the friends that never will turn on us because we've all had different ones that have turned on us and gone separate ways. But that's not who Paul's talking about. And as we look at this first chapter, the first 11 verses, I want to highlight this. I don't know how to communicate it. This, this depth of affection that Paul has for his friends. I know that when I sat across the table from Ross last April, I felt this just amazing sense of, of, of um, grace and thankfulness that God caused us to cross paths. And if we could get that out of Philippians, that would, I would be successful because there's such a depth that Paul communicates. So, so listen to these words. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints... in Christ Jesus, who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Just take a moment. Look around. Think about people that have been in your life, that come, have come in and out of your life. And let, your, let yourself reminisce a little bit. Let yourself reflect on the goodness of that friendship. The remembrance. That, uh, what, what that brings to you when you experience the remembrance of that friend. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. A key phrase is partnership in the gospel. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He's saying that realizing that he is not going to be involved directly in their lives. He's in jail. He, he knows that he's, his days are numbered and he will not personally be involved in their lives. But he speaks with such faith and with such assurance. I am sure of this. That the work that God began in you when you and I started walking together, he's going to finish that work. The reality is, for all of us in this room, you know, over the years, life changes, we go our separate ways, but we'll be able to live with the memory or, or with a conviction that the things that we've seen God deposit in one another, it's up to Him. And we can be sure of the fact that He will finish the work that we've gotten to participate in in one another's lives. Verse, verse 7, It is right for me 
to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace. I hold you in my heart both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel for God is my witness how I yearn for all with the affection of Christ Jesus. It grieves me when I hear brothers and sisters bickering and fighting. Life is so short. And the words of Paul, the, the, word I, the word for yearn is a very, very strong word when he says that I yearn for all of you because I hold you in my heart. For you're partakers with me in grace. That's our common bond. That's what holds us together. It isn't whether we see things the same way. It isn't whether we like the same foods. It isn't whether we like the same TV shows or movies. It's because we partake in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we yearn for the, the opportunity to share that kinship with each other. Partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and to be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, we're going to look at the background of Philippians. But let me remind you of a few things. Turn to Acts chapter 16, verse 6. And we want to flash back to how Philippians began. Paul was converted around A.D. 34. That was the day he got knocked off his donkey, so to speak, and Jesus converts him from Saul to Paul. In A.D. 51, as is recorded in Acts 16, he visits Philippi for the very first time. Seventeen years have gone past since his conversion to the time he visits Philippi. He writes the prison letters, Philippians being one of those prison letters. He writes them in A.D. 61. Now I want you to think back ten years. Think back over the last ten years of the friends that have walked in and out of your life. Because Paul probably hasn't seen some of these friends for a long time. But now he's looking back 10 years and he's saying, man, I remember those days. And what does he remember? What does he remember? And so as we look at Acts chapter 16, verse 6, it says, first he, he remembers it was the Holy Spirit that caused us to come together. You all realize our relationships are not just by coincidence. Our friendships with one another, our friendships with others that we have in our lives, particularly that are partakers of the gospel, partners in the gospel, they are not by coincidence. It's because the Holy Spirit said, I want you to be connected. Acts chapter 16, verse 6 says, They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And then if you go down to verse 9, it says, Paul had a vision in the night 
a man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. He had a vision that was given to him by the Holy Spirit. And Paul sees the vision and he immediately knows that he needs to go to Macedonia, which is in this region where, where Philippi is, concluding that God has called us to preach the gospel to them. And Luke tells us that Paul, on his second missionary journey, received this vision, cross over to Macedonia and help us. And Paul and his little team, we read, decided to go evangelize and build spiritual friendships with a new group of people. And I want you to notice what the Spirit led them to do. He led them to presence evangelism. The Holy Spirit was going to be there, and that's where Paul decided to be. And that's a good reminder for all of us. We don't have enough time in this life to spend our time in anything else than where the Holy Spirit is leading us. Because the Holy Spirit's presence always points to Jesus. I don't know about you, but I I have a really deep desire, the older I get, to be wherever Jesus is. I don't have time left to be in places where He's not invited. And so that's very important in this story. And the Holy Spirit's pointing me to a place where Jesus is going to be, but He's also pointing me to a place where I may get to encounter someone that may get the chance to meet Jesus for the very first time. And if you've ever gotten to participate or partner with someone that's becoming a believer for the very first time, there is nothing like it. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Having that opportunity to partner with someone that sees Jesus for the very first time in their life. And you, by design of the Holy Spirit, got asked to be there at the same time. If it's never happened to you, that's my heart's desire this morning. That before we, we, before we breathe our last breath, we will all have the opportunity, at least one time, if not many, many times, to have spiritual conversations with people where the lights turn on And especially the opportunity comes for them to say, how can I know Him too? Because that's exactly what happens. There's these evangelistic encounters that happen in Philippi, which is a Roman colony, which means it was a lot like Long Island, with a bunch of people that had no interest in God. They had interest in God's, you know, their religious system, like a lot of people that we know around here, but they were not interested in Jesus Christ the Lord. And so these evangelistic encounters happen. And Paul, in this very non-spectacular way, approaches the very first person he sees, which is Lydia. And that's, interestingly enough, how the kingdom of God works. Evangelistic encounters. And we're going to look at these this morning because these evangelistic encounters involve people from all stripes. An Asian woman who's wealthy, who fears God but doesn't really know God. And then there's a native Greek woman who's poor and demonized. And then there's a Roman who works for the Roman government. It's kind of like he works for Suffolk County. He's blue-collar and he's practical and indifferent to the things of God and God rocks his world. So, it's kind of like Paul, I think if he were here, he'd be saying, 
you know, I'm telling you about my friends. So can I, can I have a few moments? I'm an old guy. I don't have anything else to do but think about my friends. So can I introduce you to some of my friends? My first friend, verse 11. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage. Verse 12 says, And from there to Philippi, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia. And we remained in the city some days. Verse 13, On the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women that had come together. Just a casual, we just spoke to the women that were there. And one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. Look at this. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Let's challenge ourselves, everyone. When God gives us the opportunity and the Holy Spirit leads us into a, a conversation, how can we find a way to see if God would open the door to spiritual conversation and then be sensitive enough to know, you know what? This is not just a spiritual conversation. God has put His finger on this person's life. And today is the day they're going to come to know Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that be a great thing to have happen this week? Anybody up for that? So the Lord opened her heart and after she was baptized, her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. We don't know how long he stayed, but he became friends with Lydia for the rest of his life. And I guarantee you as he's writing to the Philippian church, he's thinking, how's Lydia? We don't even know if Lydia's still alive. How's her family? How's her kids? I bet you they're growing up by now. Because he's got this deep, tender affection. Because he got to be involved in her life the day she came to know Jesus Christ. <clears throat> A few weeks ago, you know, I was talking to Jerry, and he was telling me about all these different opportunity has come his way and I thought you know this is a perfect situation to hear a modern day description of what happened in the book of Acts so I'm going to ask Jerry to come because Jerry's going to share a testimony or a context of what happens in his life just to to help us to see this is not just for 2,000 years ago and I think we all know that but it's good to be reminded once in a while. <laughs> yeah, I love that uh, story about Lydia because, um, you know, it, it, it says that Paul and Silas went out expecting to find a place of prayer. They didn't have it in their mind to go talk to Lydia. God had something else in mind. And uh, each of the stories that Doyle's has uh, referred to, well, I guess we'll be looking at the other ones. In each case, you know, they're doing, th th things don't go the way they expect. And it's been my experience that um, if we're open to God, he's very much involved in not just the what we see as the spiritual, but very mundane kinds of things. And so as Doyle said, I have a, just a couple of uh, 
examples to share with you. One was um, not too long ago. Uh, it sounds strange, but uh, the Holy Spirit really impressed upon me. It's time to get a haircut. And if you've known me for a while, you probably think <laughs> that maybe God should be telling me more often or I should be listening more often. Um, I'm, I happen to be blessed with a wife who doesn't mind that I get a haircut every four months. But that's um, <clears throat> anyway, beside the point. So, um, but it was like very, like, this is the day, this is the place, this is the time kind of thing. And uh, I wound up talking. I always ask people about their lives. I'm talking to the woman who's cutting my hair and uh, asking her how her life is. And it turns out she's going through a very rough time. Surprise, surprise. Uh, one which I was able to very much identify with. So there was a connection there. And uh, talking to her, I discovered that she's a believer and she goes to church and all that. So you may wonder, okay, so why am I being led to talk to her? This is not a, uh, somebody who doesn't know Jesus. Well, in talking to her, it turns out that with all the difficulties that she's going through, <clears throat> many of the people in her church family, for whatever reason, have let her know that her problems are due to the fact that she didn't have enough faith. I don't know if you've ever heard that kind of thing from people, but it's, it's kind of not the gospel. I mean, the gospel tells us that um, Jesus did everything, that everything is a gift from God, including faith. I mean, Ephesians says that, you know, quite specifically. So she was under a bit of condemnation and feeling like a failure. And I really feel like God, well, I, you know, I told her that what I just said to you about faith, and it's a gift from God and that it's not her problem, it's God's. And wow, that was liberating for her. And she let me know that. And, uh, you know, I, I just know that that was it was sometimes we, when we all don't need to just hear about Jesus, we also need to grow in the gospel. We need to be evangelized even, even as Christians. We need to know more of God. So that was an opportunity to bring her closer to God, a, a, a better relationship. And then there was another opportunity where, um, oh, yeah, I had to I had opened up a savings account. So I have to go to Chase. But, again, God was, you know, it was, it was very directed. And um, I'm talking to the banker. And, of course, I ask her, how's your life? This is what I do. And I find out that she's miserable. Um, <laughs> she's been doing banking for 20 years. She's going to shoot herself figuratively. Um, if she has to do this anymore, it's not where her heart is. And I shared with her that God really does care about her and her situation and that there, and he can make open, open doors for her. And he's very much has his attention on her. Um, and sharing that, I discover that she, uh, you know, she, she knows about God. She's tried reading the Bible. She comes from a family that is very churched, a Bible-thumping family. And it turns out therein lies the problem. She's a little turned off, as sometimes happens, unfortunately. Um, because in talking to her, I find out that they, they, they want her to have a relationship with God that looks like their relationship with God. And I don't know if you know it, but all of us have an individual, very personal relationship with God that none of them are the same. And so there is a case where she doesn't know Jesus, but I was able to share with her, it's not, it, it's between you and God. It's you and Jesus. And that was very uh, eye-opening and liberating for her. And, you know, I hope to continue that relationship. So um, I guess the, 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 the point is that in my experience, God is... Um, God is interested in being directing and involved and 
in all aspects, in all areas of our lives. And the really cool thing is that he has a desire to make us co-workers with him. He wants to, us to be involved with what he is doing. So I just, you know, I thank Doyle for the chance to share this, just to be open to, you know, what does God want you to do when you walk out the doors? Anyway. That's good. Stay here. Stay here. Jerry, stay here just a minute. So let's, let's do something. Let's, let's pray for these two people. And then also, uh, as we're praying, let's pray for ourselves that God would give us these kinds of opportunities. Just a simple question. How's your life going? And uh, all it takes is one person. Sometimes you get those people, that's the button that pushes. You push that button and you find out more than you want to know. But <laughs> it's the opportunity to share with them. So, is it, is it, you know how everybody says hi or how you doing? Everybody says that. You say it so often you don't hear it. It's like the noise. I always make a point of saying, how is your life? That's good. So. That's good. So let's extend hand, our hands to Jerry. And then, uh, so Lord, we just pray for uh, these two people that Jerry was able to have an encounter with. And we pray for other encounters with them, with others, for the sake of the gospel. Now put your hands over your hearts, everybody. And we pray for our own hearts that you would increase our spiritual awareness for people and our sensitivity to the people around us that need to know you. And we have, we have the gospel to share. And so increase our compassion for others. We ask in your name. Amen. Thank you, Jerry. So besides Lydia, we know the next story, and we'll just go through these fairly quickly. The next one, verse 16, as we were going to the place of prayer again, we were met by a slave girl who had spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. And if you skip down to verse 18, she, you know, she keeps harassing them, and, and she kept doing it for many days, Paul having become greatly annoyed. And that means that sometimes we have to get annoyed with the stuff that's coming out of people's lives. And he turned and said to the Spirit, in the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. I think we're all very aware that this effort to be involved in spiritual conversations requires for us to be spiritually equipped. We all know we're in a spiritual battle, right? That it's spiritual warfare. The enemy wants to rob, steal, and destroy, and he does not want us to open the door to people's lives, to have the opportunity to share the gospel. So we know that this story, as Paul was very aware and very mindful of the need to be equipped to even speak to the demonic spirit that was in this woman, we also know from this story that we have to have spiritual, supernatural confidence and courage. Because you know what happened in the next part of the story, right? What happened because of them, because of Paul delivering this this slave girl of a demon? What happened? Basically, the, her owners were upset about their loss of business and they reported it to the authorities. And because they were in a non-Christian, non-spiritual environment called New York, 
I mean, I mean, called called Philippi. We all know, real, you realize that our culture, our culture is turning on Christianity, and so the culture is much the same. So there, there are risks, and it requires us to be uh, spiritually aware, and also requires us to be filled with supernatural courage, because the leaders ended up uh, putting Paul and Silas in jail. So we go to the last story, which is in verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Verse 28. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Don't harm yourself, for all, we're all here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved in your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. I couldn't find anywhere. I don't think we know the name of that jailer. Does anybody know? I don't know. But when Paul's writing to the Philippians, there's a jailer. Maybe he doesn't even work for the Roman government anymore. Who looks at his kids and maybe his grandkids. And with Paul, with fond memories, says if it wasn't for Paul and it wasn't for Silas, it's because they were involved in our lives. It was because of that night our family's life was changed forever. It's interesting as you get to the end of Acts chapter 16, Paul gets a chance before he goes on and leaves Philippi to reconnect. If you look at verses 39 and 40, it says, So they came and apologized to them, and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. So Paul and Silas are released and asked to leave. So they went out of the prison, and look where they went. They went to visit Lydia, maybe for the very last time. And when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. And these three groups of people are the ones that Paul holds closely to his heart as he writes to them ten years later. And I want to encourage us this morning to be mindful of the fact that we need to seek out, we need to celebrate, and we need to encourage any gospel-centered relationships that the Holy Spirit leads our way. And I want to remind you of what Paul said in the opening verses of Philippians chapter 1. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Let's begin with that. Would you all make a commitment? This is a homework assignment since we prayed for all the students and teachers. We'll make a homework assignment today. Would you, would you first of all, with everyone that represents this family... Would you, every day this week, 
remember their faces, remember each other's faces, remember each other's voices, and say, Lord, I thank you every time I remember. Every time I remember Bob. Every time I remember Art. Every time I remember Anna. I thank you that we have spiritual friendship because of the gospel. I'm not just saying remember them. I mean, you get the point. And then he goes on, he says, Always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. You realize we are not just part, we are not partners just because we are like-minded. We are partners because of the gospel. Some of us are not even from America. Some of us are not from Long Island. Some of us don't want to be from Long Island. But that's not what makes us partners. What makes us partners is because of the gospel and because of the spirit of Jesus Christ that's in us. And how many more people does God want to lead us to? Would you bow your heads with me? And I want you to think for a moment. I want to ask the Holy Spirit to bring to our mind. Maybe it's somebody that we've been working with for a while. Maybe it's someone that's been in our neighborhood that we've waved at several times. And maybe this week is the week that the Holy Spirit would say, why don't you just go ask them, how's your life going? Why don't you just see if there's the opportunity to say, you know, God really cares for you. I know He really cares because of what He did in sending His Son to the cross. So Holy Spirit, right now, would you bring to mind those people? Each one of us has two, three, four, five people. Maybe they're in our family. Maybe they're in our neighborhood. Maybe they are somebody we work with. That We ask you, Holy Spirit, would you shine their, your light on them this week? And then we agree to participate with you as a partner. To partner with you in their lives. To maybe get the chance to have a spiritual conversation. And maybe get to see them come to know Jesus Christ. We ask in your name. Amen. Let's stand together. I was just thinking of the fact that I saw this week, uh, some of you remember Tim Vink, he was in a meeting um, in a region right near Philippi this last, uh, just a couple of weeks ago with a gathering of 300 church planters that are looking to plant new churches in that whole region. And I thought, I was just thinking, that all started because of Paul and Silas meeting Lydia for the first time. I mean, think about that. So who knows who we're impacting? 10, 25, 100, 2,000 years later. So let's receive the Lord's blessing before we go eat. And... um, I want to say it this way. The Lord bless you and keep you and shine His face upon you.
And may He direct you to the people that He's shining His face on as well. And may He turn the light of His countenance towards you. And may He direct you to pay attention to who He's turning the light of His countenance to. And would you partner with Him to extend the grace and peace of Jesus Christ. Amen.